0: edge radio commence broadcast in three two, one. you're listening to the edge everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from megaware Ki guard studios
1: What's up, all my friends out there in Bass Edge Nation? Thanks for another download of Bass Edge Radio, bringing you the May 15, 2019 episode. Aaron, what do we got on the docket today, my friend?
2: Well, Kurt, I thought we'd have a little fun today. Meaning, you know, so many times we spend talking about kind of the new trend, what's winning the tournament's present day perhaps new techniques, new baits. I thought we'd do a little throwback, and I kind of stole this off the Bass Edge website. And There's a couple articles and videos and just perusing that and staying on top of things that's going on there. Talk a little bit about old baits that have kind of come and went, and one thing that I did take off of the article was the Johnson Silver Spoon. Do you remember that? Mm,
1: oh yeah. love the Silver Spoon in the summertime. I like to put like a spinnerbait trailer, grub or something on the back of it, throw it over top of vegetation. That was my deal when I was growing up. Lily
2: pads. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, as it's ticking, the the stalks or drops down in the hole and one grabs it and then it's game on. Because a lot of times I can remember personally, I was generally fishing off of the bank when I was doing that. So that uh, probably not highly recommended this day (laughs) and age. But who knows? Maybe with a new super braid and the lines and stuff that we have, you could still get them out. But I just think it's interesting looking at some of those lures of, you know, even like the original jelly worm. And obviously there's a lot of them out there. Do you have any that kind of comes to mind for you? Oh, for
1: sure. In the same article, the Bagley's Bangalore is mentioned, but um, really the old school flavor I used to love and, and still like to use is the Bangalore Spintail. Man, this is an awesome top water bait. You can twitch it just under the water. You can. It's almost like a prop bait. You know, this is like the devil's horse but dove a little bit, you know, 60 years ago. So love the Bangalore spin tail, And um, although these are lures of the past, they still have a place to catch bass today. I'm going to bring up real quick about your Johnson Spoon example. How many lures are we using today that we can actually wind across the top that make great erratic action with a trailer on a Johnson Spoon that we can still drop into the holes and catch the fish that aren't coming up to eat the topwater lure, but we can still drop it right in front of their face. You know, these are techniques that are days of the past, but have a place for present day bass catching.
2: No doubt. And Kurt, you probably remember when we were uh, on the filming scene with Bass Edge down in the Alabama, Georgia region, Wes Morgan, that helped us uh, film. He actually gave us a, uh, now it wasn't the silver spoon, it was the gold plated version, but uh, he had rigged it to where uh, about a piece of three inch balsa wood on the front of it and then put an eye so that it would actually Cause the spoon to float. And, oh, nice. Yep. And then when you would twitch it, that spoon would spin on the back. And there again, I mean, that's still something that uh, I have hanging on the hallowed halls of Bass Edge Studios. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> well, but, awesome stuff. Hey, look, Aaron, you are perusing it, but I got to make sure all the listeners know, man, we have a lot of awesome articles, a lot of great videos. Every time a new Bass Edge episode comes out, you know, make sure you go to BassEdge.com. We put up a new video bi-monthly and a new article bi-monthly, And there's a lot of great information in there. BassEdge.com. Make sure you click on the featured articles or featured videos tabs. Check them both out. A lot of awesome information that not only supplements what education we're providing here at Bass Edge Radio on the podcast, but also on the website site helping everybody you know catch more fish and bringing back old memories and remembering how i can even use some old baits that come and go
2: <laughs> no doubt but something that doesn't come and go and never gets old is the protecttheharvest.com tackle tip and that's next
1: this episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with major league fishing pro bass pro tour angler james mf
2: watson Hey, nothing's more fun than throwing top water, especially a whopper plopper and a cage and wake. Both baits that I like to reel really fast, but the key is long cast in clear water and using 50 to 65 pound Maxima eight carrier braid. And I like to throw it on the Cashion 7.8. It's a James Watson signature series 7.8 big old rod on a Johnny Morris platinum series eight to five gear ratio reel. Don't waste any time and don't waste your small line. Come in with braid 50 to 65 pound braid. I don't care how clear the water is. Great tip.
1: James, brought to you by protecttheharvest.com.
3: First by land and now by sea. nitro performance bass boats get
0: pro level performance with the nitro z18 the official boat of major league fishing The z18 with its nimble handling and versatility sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line like a guardian live well a heavily insulated cooler dual eight foot rod storage and our smooth and fast nvt hull every nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well catch fish Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, Pure Fishing Machines.
1: Megaware Guard, director of all things fun, Tori Reeds, joined us for a short segment of today's show. Awesome to bring you literally right into the ears of Bass Edge Nation. Great to have you on the show, Tori.
2: Thanks, guys. Well, Tori, uh, I know it's probably nice to get settled into the new office there in Utah. I know, I know that's a little bit behind you. The move was not fun. I can remember when that went down, but beyond kind of the office, uh, what's going on at Megaware and kind of the drive to bring us the best products and literally uh, protect all watercraft investments and not just our bass boats.
4: Yeah, Aaron. So we have been coming up with some new Skyguard models for the 2019 Mercury motor and then also for the new Evander G2s. Another cool thing that we've been doing is we put together a new high school and college level angler program. And the most recent thing that we've done is we've hired a new sales guy. So that's been cool.
1: Nice, lots of movement there. I actually remember not so long ago, maybe a few weeks ago, we were testing that new Evan G two Skeg guard on one angler's Chase Brooks's boat and it turned out to be a great fit. That is a product that I have seen my personal self go a long, long ways in protecting my investment.
4: Yeah, it's been a great product. And you know, the video that Chase did, well actually that you did for Chase <laughs> has been phenomenal. We've did that on social media and it's been fantastic the reviews that we've gotten back from it and a lot of people have been really excited that we've had that model available.
1: Aaron, you got the Mercury. How far are we or where are we at with the uh, Mercury Skedgar product for the new... Aaron, what's the name of that
2: thing? It's the XS4 Stroke and I actually have it. We did the prototype that was sent out to me first and then repositioned some uh, screw holes. But yeah, I believe they're in shipment, aren't they, Tori?
4: Yes, we have two models available for the 2019 Mercury. It's just the standard four stroke you know the 4.8 inch gear case and then also for the pro Access torque masters so it's been pretty phenomenal and as people have started realizing that we have those available the sales on them had just increased tremendously And of course we're talking about I
2: mean the reason for the skate guard is not just it, when you hit something in the water or you're you know going around but as I get up in age I forget even though I've been in bass fishing for 25 plus years forgetting to raise my motor coming out of my garage or after I pull it out of uh, put it on the trailer from the boat ramp. Um there's numerous applications actually, Kurt, for the, the Skate Guard. <laughs> yeah,
1: once you have a Skate Guard installed, then you really see what the benefits are because as time goes on and you continue to use investment year after year after year, you realize, oh geez, glad I had my skate guard on. Oh boy, glad I had my skate guard on. Oh glad I had the keel guard and all these other kinds of things that uh, megaware provides. So Tori, wondering what are some of the trends of sales you're seeing from the additional items Megaware provides, specifically, you know, like the Flex Step and Scuffbuster.
4: The sales on the Flex Step this season have just been amazing. We've had a lot of professional anglers who've had them on their boats. And it's been so fun to see all of the videos and the pictures that, you know, have been posted on social media. Major League Fishing and FLW, the tournament pictures, and just being able to spot them out on all the photos. That's been one product that has just really really taken off this season and it's been pretty
2: cool well and the thing i appreciate is their products that work they have a purpose they solve a need more importantly you know as we all know bass boats and our gear are not getting any cheaper and it's just so nice to finally see a company that's completely going after a market and a need that really no one else is even remotely able to provide kind of the quality of products that do such a great job with the guarantees of the product with the customer service you know know, just numerous things. And I know we're kind of diving off into a lot of things technical here, Tori, but also just quickly probably can't speak too much, but there's some neat things that's coming down the horizon in the years to come that are out on the drawing boards and and just to kind of see the research and development that Megaware invests into so many different things. You know, it takes quite a list of products to be able to look at before you select, you know, one that's ready to go to the market. Right.
4: And it it takes a lot of time too to, you know, to come up with new products and all the time and the effort and the money that goes into the development and the marketing and just making sure that the product that we're putting out there for the consumers is top-notch.
1: Well, Tori, I can tell that you're a pretty knowledgeable fan of Bass Fishing. Just a few glances at the megaware social media is proof and the pudding. Actually, some interesting articles that Andy Buss has been pushing out into the megaware media space
4: yeah it's pretty funny andy is where i get most of my bass fishing education from he does a fantastic job with our blog and the content that he provides for it and some of the like the best articles that we've had have just been him interviewing local people that he knows like last year we had a really great blog on fishing in hot water and i mean that blog took off and was one of our top blogs for is that, quite is a that literally
2: or does that mean because his wife is mad at him <laughs> 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 uh,
4: no andy's life is very, very supportive of him and, and all of his uh, adventures.
1: I thought maybe he's on the back deck tossing lures into the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That would be awesome.
1: There's probably a few anglers that we've interviewed in the past that could catch a bass out of hot tub, quite frankly. Yeah, no Oh, doubt. geez. Yeah. It's awesome to see all the social posts. Obviously, all Bass Edge listeners should channel into the MegaWare social media, the Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and they're all over all things social. So um, it's a lot of fun to see all the great articles and photos and interaction they have with uh, pro anglers, not just bass fishermen, but all types of pros all throughout the country. And uh, as Tori mentioned earlier, they've got so many great programs going on with college, high school and regional anglers. So there's just lots of stuff going on with Megaware. Tori, it has been great to get to introduce you to the listeners, but I can't let you go until I send you off with our segment four last questions for you. Are and this, you ready? Th-
2: this is the disclaimer Tori. So the, rela- <laughs> the relationship with Bass Edge in the past is not <laughs> I guarantee future results, and Kurt <laughs> dev wrote these questions. So
1: <laughs> that's why this is, this is all about having a good time. So, what is the best gossip you've ever heard in the halls of MegaWare headquarters?
4: Don't really have a lot of gossip that goes on in our office, but there are a lot of pranks that happen. More specifically, between Dave and Ryan, so it's usually when Dave's trying to, you know, be authoritative and Ryan comes up along underneath and does something that kind of undermines him a little bit. It's pretty funny, so that's the <laughs> bulk of what happens at our office.
1: Awesome! So pranksters, so got gotta love mm-hmm. the pranks. Aaron
2: and I will be sure to set one up for you guys here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be, we'll be, we'll be getting on the list. I'm gonna send Kurt as a dancing telegram.
4: <laughs> oh geez, yeah, there you go. That, that would, be, would be a
2: great wearing yes it would especially if you could figure out how to get me to do it wearing nothing but a keel guard <laughs>
4: nothing but a kill guard yeah, oh,
2: okay that's hot okay silliest <laughs> bass
4: silliest bass
1: fisherman superstition you've heard of
4: most recently like i have loved keith Pochets is not changing his underwear like <laughs> even though how you know that sounds just absolutely foul like i I chuckle so hard every time I think of that. But another one that I heard that actually I read somewhere, I think was like Bill McDonald, not trimming his fingernails and his toenails.
1: Oh wow. <laughs>
4: That just, yeah, that was. So you're saying
1: if like, Bill McDonald's catching bass, he's going to look like the wicked witch of the West. He's going to have like these nails that are coming out, protruding everywhere.
4: Uh, sticking to his I, yeah, I, I think he kind of like cleans up before the tournament, but once it starts, like he just stops. <laughs>
2: Man, now I've got some scoop on Billy. Holy cow.
4: I'm pretty sure it was Bill McDonald. And if it's not, I apologize, Bill.
1: (laughs) Well, it's no doubt we have a trend with the cleanliness of anglers if they're catching fish. They want to be dirty. I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, what? When does hygiene go out the window when you're having success?
1: <laughs> With bass fishermen. <laughs> we're, not. we're absolutely nuts. Okay. Question three. Silliest excuse of why a bass angler didn't have a good turning day.
4: I started actually asking some of our, our local pro staff guys what things that they thought were funny. And one guy was telling us that the angler's scale was like teared into the negative. So he was <laughs> weighing fish all day that were less than what they actually were but heard, Ryan had a funny one like the whole swing for the fences and i lost the big one and you know called the wrong fish just stuff like that you know i find pretty funny but
1: it's excuse after excuse with come on aaron here, here it is if it's too windy it's not calm enough if it's too calm it's not windy enough. If it's too <laughs> sunny, it's not cloudy enough. If it's too cloudy, it's not sunny enough. And da-da-da-da-da. Oh, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean,
2: it's, it's – we're the easiest, and I say we because I'm one of them, easiest group segment to make fun of. And, of course, it has a lot to do, Tori, with it's the male ego. <laughs>
1: right. Mm-hmm. Final question. Now, this is all you, Tori. You can move okay. I'm ready. the headquarters office of Megaware to any – location in the entire world where's it going
4: for me personally i always want to move somewhere where you know there's beaches and it's warmer weather but i don't know i think Where we're at, it's pretty awesome. We love it here. We love the views that we have of the mountains and the outdoor scene that is provided here out in Utah. And I think we live in a pretty great state. So I guess we could always move somewhere a little bit more central, you know, for the business. I'd like to move to Missouri, maybe. You know, Missouri has been pretty awesome. But or maybe even Texas, Kurt. We could we could move in, you know, be somewhere.
1: Yeah, you can come down here to the border and hang out with uh, all the crossers.
4: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, that's
0: all.
1: It's, it's great to be in a place that you can't think of anywhere that's really that much better. So um, that's a good place to be in. I, I would say that bodes well for uh, what Megaware is all about. You know, they've been producing awesome products for years and years and years. Of course, as Aaron always mentions at the beginning of the show, a Bass Edge sponsor since inception 2006. So uh, I hope everybody enjoyed meeting you, Tori. I appreciate you being on the show. It's awesome. Awesome to kind of introduce a little bit of Megaware to Bass Edge Nation. So with that being said, any final responses or thoughts for our listening audience?
4: No, we appreciate uh, having, I appreciate having the opportunity to be on the show and discuss some of our products that we have coming out and the, our programs that we offer. And we absolutely love working with bass anglers and, the, you know, the whole bass fishing community. So,
1: Well, Tor, we appreciate your partnership here at Bass Edge Radio. Everybody stay tuned. We've got the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight up next.
2: I'm FLW Tour Pro Luke Duncan. I'm fresh angler Keith Pochet. This is 2019 Bassmaster Classic Qualifier Jared Littner. This is BASS Elite Series
1: Angler Seth Fighter. This is Facts and Fishing host Dave Mercer, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio.
0: You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders offering the best keel protection in the industry also for megaware keel guard, Skeg guard, Flexstep Pro and pontoon guard. so give your boat the performance edge put on the protection the pros pick, Megaware keel guard.
1: Our featured angler in this episode has recently come into his first national tour victory with the FLW Tour at Lake Cherokee. A young industry veteran, welcome to the show, Andrew Upshaw. Thanks for chatting with us here on Bass Edge Radio, Andrew.
5: I appreciate it, guys. I'm really looking forward to this. I've listened to y'all's show a few different times, and I always wondered if I'd be on it. So I'm pretty excited to be here, and it was an honor to win Cherokee and have my first tour win. So look forward to chatting with y'all about that a little bit.
2: Well, Andrew... It is great that you are actually on the show because it means that uh, things are going in the right direction for your career and it's good to catch back up with you. Of course, you and I had a previous relationship with some of the other companies that we've been involved with in the past and I'm just excited to kind of dive in and let Bass Edge Nation know a little bit about what I already know about you. But after eight years of fishing the tour, you're on the way to potentially qualifying for your third FLW Cup in a row and recently knocked down your first tour victory. Inquiring minds want to know what has led you to this success?
5: You know, uh, there's a lot of different things that have led me to the successes that I've had. I think first and foremost is extremely hard work. You know, I I think it kind of gets overshadowed by Fishing ability or PR or whatever it may be, but it takes a lot of work to get where you're at. Kurt can attest to that. I mean, it's not just time on the water. It's also researching lakes and map study and, and watching everything physically possible. It's so much more than just going fishing anymore. You know, the technology that we have available to us these days, I try to take advantage of every single thing that I can get my hands on. And so first and foremost, hard work. I mean, my dad always told me that, um, you know, you might not be the strongest, fastest, smartest, whatever it may be, but if you outwork everybody, you're going to be successful. And I've always kind of lived by that. I've always just wanted to outwork everybody that I came into contact with. And if anybody listening today, if you're wondering how anybody gets to this level, they work extremely hard.
1: Andrew, I couldn't agree more. Very well said. It's also one of those deals where we all have these lumps in the road, right? We don't know where this road is leading, but we keep trudging down it and and working hard to find that ray of light, you know, that tour victory, having the success, making championships, but being able to sustain and get through those valleys, that's really what makes the hills so delightful, right? I mean, once you have that success, how hard is it going through those hard times, like you said, working hard, you know, just kind of trudging through working harder than what you feel like other people are doing. That's part of the battle. The other part of the battle is getting through those valleys, wouldn't you say?
5: Yeah, you know, the, the valleys, I think, are what builds you as a person, you know, because your success is great and everything's good whenever things are going good. But what defines you as a, as a person just in general is how you respond during the bad times. And, you know, I've had my fair share of not stellar performances, I'll just say it like that. And, uh, you know, what I've always tried to do, and it's another thing that my dad taught me at a young age, if you lose at something try to learn from every single situation you lose from i mean even if it's a win you can learn something from it he always told me he said if you ever go on the water and you don't learn something then you probably if you feel like you know everything you probably need to quit and go do something else because if you don't have that drive every single day to go learn something new to go try to be a better person a better fisherman better on the water you just have kind of you burned out you're you're not where you want to be And, and i still have that drive even in those valleys and you know I always take everything as a learning experience. And I think if you really compile everything you learn in those valleys and exploit them on the days that are good, you're going to be successful the rest of your life. So it doesn't really matter. So that's kind of the way I drive myself is even when I have down times, I'm working hard for the good times because I know they're coming And the other thing is, is to surround yourself with people who support you and not negative people. You know, I think negative people, they'll draw you down, they'll draw your energy down. I try to surround myself with what I consider winners or positive Uh people. And I think, you know, that's another thing. You know, my dad was a head football coach for years. He said, I'm not defined of just my coaching ability. I'm defined of my coaching ability plus my staffers, the the Uh people who work for me, because I want to surround myself with people who are positive, optimistic, and are students of the game and want to learn and are winners. And that's who I want to surround myself with. If I surround myself with people who are negative, then you're always going to be negative. You're not going to win, and you're not going to be successful.
2: It's funny that you bring up that because a wise soul once told me that the three most dangerous words in the English language is already know that, you know. Um, you <laughs> got to be open, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah perfectly said man that's very valuable Andrew you mentioned in most of the press concerning your Cherokee Tour win you know a few weeks back that you found the pattern early in practice it enabled you to really focus during practice and essentially dial in the win is the way I see that what conditions led you to finding the pattern quickly and uh, what led you to the key bites that enabled your confidence to go all in on that fishing method
5: well so it all kind of started I I actually went to Chickamauga to pre-practice the day before, so on Saturday before practice started. And my mindset there was, is I just I hadn't been in Chickamauga in a while, or on Chickamauga in a while, and I just kind of wanted to see what the water temps were, just kind of dial the fish in there. Well, when I got there, the fish were spawning. Water temps were in the like mid 60s, and I immediately knew. I said, okay, Chickamauga is two hours south of Cherokee. A little bit different situation, a little more mountainous over there at Cherokee, but, you know, surrounding areas, high, more highland. But I was like, you know what, if the water temp 65 here, they're going to be spawning at Cherokee one way or another, Smallmouth are going to be spawning, largemouth maybe, but more likely smallmouth would. And what I noticed real quickly was with the lake being drawn down that it was, it exposed a lot of the rock and really, in my opinion, shrunk the areas where the fish were spawning in a big wave. And what I started thinking was, okay, what's the hardest way to catch the spawners? And it was around those rocks because you had to be so much more thorough you had to dissect it much more than just going down the pea gravel banks and fishing. Right. And so I started on the pea gravel banks, had a bunch of bites real quick. And I was like, this is not the deal because too many people are going to find this. I need to go do something different. And then I made a move, and the first couple of bites I had were big ones. That'll boost some confidence. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, and that was a big deal. So the one thing I've always noticed, especially like at lakes like Texoma and places where they spawn in really confined areas because there's not as much cover on the bank, is there might be a bed every foot or every two feet. You know, they're all kind of stacked together, and so what I was noticing, because if you don't watch other boats around you to know how they're covering water, you're making a mistake. I was watching our guys. They'd make a cast, and then they make another cast 20 feet away, and so what I started doing was picking apart the cover very quietly, putting my troll motor on like two, which is extremely slow. And just picking it apart, almost like I was flipping a uh, you know, just taking my time, my sweet time, just pitching in and out, pitching in and out, using the spinning rod, super light line. And I'd find areas that were extremely confined, you know, the size of a boat, and I'd get six to eight bites in the size of my boat, wow. where other guys might pull in there and flip and get one bite and then flip. 15 yards down the bank and not get another bite.
1: They'd miss the other pile of fish that was in the same area, right? Exactly. Great tip, man. And I think you see that, right, on on Clear Lakes. uh, We're going to go into some more sight fishing here. I know Aaron's got a question for you here in a moment, but it seems like that's a general pattern, whether you're actually sight fishing bass or you're blind casting for betters, is when you see fish and you see them sight fish, you get a little group, a little pile of fish together. And maybe it's got the right bottom or the fish just congregate together and they all kind of spawn in a in a small area together. But just to kind of dial in and explain it further for the listeners, that's exactly what you're talking about. How other anglers were casting down the bank a little bit farther. You were pitching and flipping and working those techniques in a much smaller segments than the other anglers.
5: Absolutely. And you know, it's really important to try to do things differently, you know, each time that you're on the water, especially in tight fishing tournaments and things like that, or just spawning tournaments in general. I can remember a couple of different times when I was at a Potomac and I'd get into spawners that were just outside the current. And I think that was important In Cherokee. They would congregate just outside of where the current break would be. And there's not a lot of current there, but they've drawn the lake so much that I think they naturally spawn outside of the current. But at Potomac, I found a spawning stretch that, like, you literally flipped every foot, and you'd get a bite, and they'd be like little bitty holes, and they just, it almost looked like brim beds everywhere. There's holes everywhere, and every hole you flipped in, you'd get a bite, and they were in a 30-yard section. I bet I caught 25 fish right there, or 30 fish. I mean, it was something ridiculous like that. So, you know, the fish are not afraid to spawn right next to each other. I mean, case in point. Bluegill. Like when they build their beds, there's a circle the size of the front end of your truck, and there might be 50 beds right there. So, bass are the same way. They aren't afraid to spawn next to each other, and especially in a lake where they spawn a little bit deeper, there's more chances to target each individual fish without actually seeing them. Well,
2: Andrew, being a huge fan of yours and following your career, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I feel it's kind of known around the fishing circles that you like to sight fish, and you're good at it. How do you go about finding a bedding bass? You know, that always seems to be the question that we get a lot on Bass Edge. In other words, what temps are you looking for? What size? Isle of banks kind of break that down because i know that even though we're approaching the latter part of may here anglers up north are heating up on the sight fish
5: yeah you know there's a lot of schools of thought when it comes to uh, sight fishing and bedding fish and it's definitely something that i really enjoy doing you know water temps are important to a, a degree i really like anything over about 60 degrees uh, around that range and you know i've caught bass in that in that high 50 range Uh, One experience I had was at Talita Bend, and it was late February, and typically the fish spawn on Talita Bend about the first to second week of March, and everybody was out there throwing Alabama rigs. It was a cold week, and towards the end of the week, the temperature started to come up, and... It was something really unique. We were on a full moon, so that really helps. And I think the moon is extremely important when it comes to uh, sight fishing, probably more so than temperature, really. I mean, when those fish are ready to go, they go. And in that particular case, the fish hit the bank the day before the event, and there was only about four or five of us that hit it and figured it out. And all five of us made the top 10. I remember going out on the final day, and we didn't get to even go out until 10 o'clock because of a fog delay. And I pulled up on a bank that I'd seen two fish on the last day of practice. And I pulled up there, and I bet there was 100 fish on it. Oh my And uh, I caught 20 pounds that day, and I only had a few hours to do it. But with that being said, another extremely important thing to look for, especially at my win at Cherokee, was water stability. And, um, you know, a lot of lakes either go up or down or, you know, a big rain comes in and, you know, raise the water. And then in the case of uh, Cherokee, the TVA lets the water out. And that really fluctuates when they're going to spawn, if they're going to spawn early or late or whatever it may be. In the case of Cherokee, the water stabilized the week that we got there or actually a few days before we got there and it really started stabilizing, and that's when those fish go. And and that might be their only chance to go is that week that it stabilizes. And so I really look at just a mixture of everything before I even go to the lake to know exactly what I'm looking for. What's the water temps? What's the consistent water temps? You know, is there a warm front coming? What's the moon cycle? And is the lake stable? When you start looking at those things, when you go to the lake, I'm not going to say it gets easy, but if you know they're spawning, it's just a process of elimination. Are they on flat banks or are they on steep banks? Personally, I like steeper banks, and the reason I like steeper banks is because I feel like the biggest fish, it's a lot easier for them to move up and down out of deep water and pull up and spawn. And the flatter banks, yes, you can find some big ones on those. But I feel like those are more resident fish. I, I just—it's hard for me to see a, a fish swim a mile on a flat to a flat bank to, to go, go spawn when one can just pull up. <laughs> Kurt's
2: not willing to drive across the overpass to go to a McDonald's to get something to eat. You know, you know I mean,
5: <laughs> exactly. That's and that's my point. Like they want to have that comfort zone. That deep water nearby is extremely important. So I always kind of lean towards steeper banks and I like stuff that has, you know, cover, some type of cover. I don't want it to be a straight, do-nothing bank. Yeah, it's great, makes life easy, but the fish like to spawn around things under the water, whether it's a stump, a bush, a lay down, a rock, A piece of grass I mean whatever it may be you want something in the water.
1: Andrew that's a great explanation I think one of the most overlooked aspects of this too is the commitment to go look there's so many you know being a guide down here at Amistad and and just being around fishing for lots of years now there's so many bass fishing junkies that have never seen a fish on a bed or seen a pair of fish on a bed and kind of doing their thing and it's a crazy awesome amazing deal I think both Andrew and, and Aaron would agree with me that just watching the activity of a fish spawning is really cool. And I think that's what intrigues all of us, especially the ones of us that really enjoy doing it like Andrew does to just check it all out but really part of the being able to see the fish is to commit to it because they're not everywhere so um andrew i thought that was a great explanation and and hopefully that's going to help some people this year up north you know find some bedding fish and kind of see what's going on up there in the shallow water it's a lot of fun andrew i want to ask you what are some of the baits that you like to bed fish with and do you feel like you have a personal pattern or rotation you go with to read the fish
5: that's another really great question Uh, you know when it comes to baits that I like to bed fish with. I come from a a school of anglers from East Texas that are extremely, extremely good sight fishermen. And uh, I was actually taught by one of my competitors now, uh, Todd Castledon. He taught me some ins and outs of uh, bed fishing. And I always thought it was extremely funny because when he taught me how to sight fish, he pulls out a bag of sweet beavers. And in the bag, it was a big Ziploc gallon bag there was at least seven different colors in there, all some shade of either watermelon, green pumpkin, some form of fashion of those two colors. But there were six different colors, seven different colors, something like that. And I was like, man, which color are you going to throw? And he's like, it doesn't matter. And he just reaches in there and grabs one puts it on and starts fishing with it. And I'm <laughs> right. like, okay. And so at that point I realized that we all kind of take it way too seriously on what we actually slip in there. It's much, much more about reading the fish and understanding how the fish is set up and not spooking the fish. And understanding how the fish set up there's always a, You always hear there's this one spot that they guard, and that is absolutely true. But the thing is, I can tell you all day of what to look for, but every single fish is different. They all set up differently. They react a little bit differently in some sense of the word. Like, for instance, yesterday I was on uh, Smith Lake. I was just out there fishing, and uh, I look down, and I see one on a bed, and I'm literally sitting on top of this fish, and it's skittish. It runs off, and I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm going to catch it. I back up like 10 feet away. I flip a worm over there, and the fish runs back from deep water where he was sitting and just hammers my bait and goes 100 miles an hour with it. And I would have never expected that fish to do that, but I knew exactly where he was sitting. I flipped it on the spot, and he ate it like he'd lost his mind. So, I mean, every single fish, like, they're going to surprise you. Sometimes they're going to be extremely easy, and sometimes they're going to be extremely hard. I personally, I like a challenge. So, if a fish seems hard, I sometimes tend to spend too much time on them and so <laughs> they kind of gets me in trouble in tournaments because i'm like i'm gonna catch this fish i'm definitely gonna catch you i'm gonna win this battle and it gets personal at that point but uh when i'm actually just kind of casting and looking i rarely ever cast so i mean if i'm gonna go sight fishing i'm putting my rod down and i'm not picking it up until i see a fish and it's a, it takes dedication it takes a lot of like having the right mindset to do it and uh, when I dedicate to it it's,
4: it's all I do.
1: Commitment is always necessary in anything you do in life Andrew and I think that's exactly why you're a great sight fisherman and it gives people uh, an edge on what they need to do to be good at catching bed and bass but I tell you what y'all relax a moment it's time to drop the power poles take a short break Bass Edge Radio will return
2: Bass Edge presented in part by Lawrence Electronics Returns with FLW Tour Angler, Andrew Upshaw and the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right Lucas Oil high performance marine products for oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works.
1: Andrew a quick look at your career stats it's obvious to see you excelled early in your career college fishing and on the BFL level it looks like right after college you began fishing more Costa events as well as jumping on the FLW tour if you were to give advice to college anglers now that you have intuitive insight what path would you give a college angler looking to take their shot at big league bass
5: you know I get asked by a lot of high school and college fishermen what does it take to get to the level that we're at you know and and I have a more of a storybook career you know I started early I started in BFLs in the college series and in a lot of team tournaments, you know, that's a nice thing about living Sam Raver and Talita Bend. there was a who's who of team tournaments every single weekend. So I got to learn from some of the best in that sense. But first and foremost, I always, always recommend that anglers jump into BFLs. Uh, I feel like BFLs is, is really what helped shape me as a fisherman and, and mainly because it gave me that real insight of having to do it on my own. You know, college fishing is fantastic. High school fishing is fantastic. Anything that helps build our sport is a a great, great thing for our sport. But if you want to be a competitive fisherman and you want to fish professionally, go fish BFLs. Because that situation, you have to do it on your own. You have to find your own fish and you have to perform by yourself. And I think that's what helps build you and helps put you to that next level. However, one thing that I can give advice on that I think is extremely important People always ask me how they need to get sponsors and this and that and I don't know who the person is. And my first response is is go fish tournaments. Let your fishing do the talking first. Don't worry about sponsors until you start catching them. And sponsors are gonna find you at that point. Everybody gets so focused on I gotta get this next sponsor, I gotta get this sponsor, that sponsor, whatever sponsor. Go fishing. Like let's not forget like while we're here. We are here to go catch bass. Go learn how to catch bass first and then worry about who's going to pay you later. And I think that was something that that I learned at a young age. Luckily, when I was starting out, there wasn't very many young anglers that were really targeting sponsors, so it was fairly easy to get sponsors. But I was also doing well. I mean, I won Angler of the Year in 2009, I think, in um, a BFL series in East Texas and I'm telling you right now, I'm as proud of that as I am a lot of things in, in my career. Wins and everything. Not maybe not Cherokee, but other wins that I've had because the division I fished in has and had some of the best fishermen in East Texas that fish professionally, Dickie Newberry, Todd Castledine, yeah. Stephen Johnston. I mean it had some hammers in it. And so I was very proud to win that. And that kind of gave me the confidence to go to a different level. So, yeah, that's what I would do. I'd go fish BFLs and just go fishing, fish anything you can, fish every day if you have to and never stop learning.
1: Yeah, being the best in your local areas is a big key to being able to have success as you move on. And um, that's exactly what you're able to do, improve, and that's the perfect advice right there. Go fish BFLs, make something happen at home, then kind of move up the ladder. You'll be more prepared, better to have success as, as you move on in your career.
2: I'm always fascinated with the business end or side of the sport of fishing. And you have a unique story. You know, you've been able to more or less immerse yourself in the industry with a job, you know, that kind of relates to it. Can you talk to us more about? Obviously, you know, you're in very good standings. Some of your main sponsors lose holdings, lose which represent the lose brand, Strike King, and some other ones. But um, it even dates back further than that.
5: It does. You know, I've been extremely fortunate in my career as far as that goes. You know, it all started back. I mean, a long time ago. The very like one of the very first times I went fishing. I went with Tommy Martin, which won the Bassmasters Classic in 74. And I asked him at that point, I said, what do I need to do? He said, you need to go to college and get a degree in marketing. Okay. So I went to college. I got a degree in marketing, actually sports marketing. I went a little more specific, and I didn't know at that point if I'd ever really use my degree. I had some jobs just so I could fish whenever I was coming up, and uh, I was approached by Gary Dallahan back in 2013, and he brought me on as a marketing manager that handled the accounts of Luz and Jean LaRue, and I did their social, I helped budgeting, advertising, that kind of stuff, and it got me kind of in the door. And Gary knows everybody. He's been in the industry forever. And he's a great representative of the industry. And and he definitely taught me a ton about how to handle myself. I mean, I do handle clients, understand what clients need and what's important in this industry. And from there, Lose Holdings was formed. They were, Lose was purchased by Peacock Capital and uh, formed Lose Holdings, which then bought Strike King, Hunter Specialties, and Southern Plastics. And now we're this big conglomerate company that has a bunch of different ties in each industry. And they brought me on as a representative for Lose and Strike King, and now I handle our YouTube, our social media uh, at Lose and Strike King, and it's been a great transition, and it allows me to kind of get in depth behind the scenes and understand the business end as well as the fishing end. You know, and that that's a cool thing about where I come from. My dad and I owned a tackle store for years in East Texas, over by Sam Rayburn and Lufkin, Texas, and now I've worked for a tackle store. So I got to see where it went from uh, a store to consumer. Right. I've worked just PR, which helped me understand what the consumer wanted and to have the understanding of how to present it to the consumer. And then now I do the social media, which goes straight from the manufacturer to the consumer. So I get I a, a whole lot of different ways of understanding what the consumer wants, how they want it and why it works. So I've been really fortunate in that regard to understand what we need to do and and what makes things successful. So it's really cool to see things that you help design, help kind of manufacture, whether it's an ad or a bait or a rod or reel, whatever it may be, and to see it just blossom into this great thing. That
1: is awesome. I think that's a lot of people's what they would call their dream job, just being able to work in the industry, but then to be able to put the fishing on top of it and then win a tour event. Dude, you got your cake and you're eating it, too. I like that. every angler wants to know what do you splurge on dude when you win a tour event you got 100k in your pocket you go to the bank you cash the check there's got to be one or two things you're going to splurge on right give us some hints on what andrew Upshaw is going to splurge on besides after the- taxes
5: <laughs> <laughs> right besides yeah, you no know, know i'm just dreading taxes at this point no you know my wife and i had always talked about um i always told her i said if i win a tour event I'm going to get an 80 inch TV. Like that's what I want because I love watching movies. That is like one of my things. Like everybody has their thing. I love movies. It's just my little away from everything, my time. And when I won, she's like, I guess you can get that 80 inch TV. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I really don't want it. Like I I just kind of changed my mind at the last minute. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? You know, you deserve something in this sense. And I was like, We never went on a honeymoon, so we're going to go on a vacation together. Because when we got married, I mean, I had not very much money. I was a struggling fisherman starting out, trying to, you know, make a name for myself. And she helped support me along that way. And so, you know, we didn't have the money to go splurge on some big, fancy honeymoon. So now we're not going to go on some fancy honeymoon. But we're going to go do something, maybe a cruise, go to an island, something. We're going to go have some fun together and uh, this off season, which, I mean, Kurt, Understand this is uh, we don't really have much of an off season yeah, anymore, right. but that's right, in our off season, maybe one month out of the year. So well,
1: that's awesome, dude. That sounds like fun. We'll be looking for that on the Strike King social media. <laughs> you can lay it all out there, Upshaw's honeymoon or uh, Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that'd be sweet. That'd be sweet. All right, I'm gonna man, be well, the
5: guy that catches a, a swordfish off the side of the cruise ship or something.
1: That would be cool. <laughs> that would make a great video on a flutter spoon, right?
5: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, My, I mean, if you're going to make it memorable, make it really memorable. (laughs) That's it All right, brother hey man that sounds
1: awesome Andrew I want to get you to answer a listener question for us that came in this past month this segment of the show sponsored by Nitro Performance Bass Boats Bass Edge Radio listener question segment Josh Miller asks I only started fishing a few years ago and over the winter decided to get serious about learning and honing my craft I've immersed myself in research between fishing trips for months but it's sometimes taken me all over the place in your opinion what is the most important thing to focus on learning and possibly order of importance to become more consistent so let's say you give josh three of the most important things that he needs to focus on learning to become a better angler
5: in the sense of you know he's talking about there's a long a lot of time between the difference when he goes fishing to the next event or lake that he's fishing uh first off It's easy to immerse yourself into a lot of info because there's a ton of info out there. But first, always look at the season that you're dealing with. If I'm going to a lake in June, we'll just say as an easy example, Kentucky Lake in June, I know the fish are going to be offshore. So instead of Researching information on springtime or wintertime fishing on Kentucky Lake, I'm solely focused on looking at the summer event. So, first, I look for what are the weights that I'm dealing with? What weights are caught in tournaments? So, then I look at FLW, I look at bass, I look at major league, and I look at how they did at that event at that particular time, if they even had an event at that particular time. At that point, I kind of can gauge. What has been going on? So first I research what season, what's going on, and then I actually go to my map study. That's when I go to my topo maps, whether it's my Garmin Lake View maps or uh, just looking at researching other topo maps online, like Navionics, something like that. And once I kind of get an idea of what I'm looking for there, that's when I start looking at baits and tackle that I may need for that event. I try not to over-focus on a, like a broad spectrum of different things like, oh, maybe these fish are spawning, maybe these fish are this. I just want to say okay, it's summertime, they're deep this is one I need to focus on. And that's where I focus
2: my research. Simplicity is a good thing, Andrew. That was a great answer. And certainly appreciate you answering that question. Josh, one thing we need from you, and that is to simply go to BassEdge.com, log in under the Claim Your Prize segment, give us your personal information, and we will ship out the Bass Edge gift directly to your doorstep.
1: And a reminder to Bass Edge listeners, send in those questions to the show via our website, BassEdge.com, to have a shot at winning another gift from Bass. Bass Edge Radio in the coming months. You can also email us at support at BassEdge.com or just simply leave us a comment on our Facebook, Insta, or Twitter media pages.
2: Well, Andrew, it's uh, been a pleasure catching back up with you and having you on the show. Look forward to watching you finish up the season. Any final uh, thoughts or comments as we get ready to close down?
5: Not that I can think of, but I do appreciate it, guys. I've really enjoyed this time, and uh, I've always been like that teacher mentality. I want people to learn. I want to be able to show them how to catch fish especially the younger generation because You know, it's one thing to go read about it. It's another thing to actually go do it and learn. And I feel like when I teach a kid how to fish, in my mind, they're going to go catch one. So uh, I think the result of that is pretty awesome.
1: No doubt about it, Andrew. I'm going to send you off with our final segment. Four last questions for you. What's your favorite fast food meal on the road?
5: Uh, Zaxby's. You know, you got to have that sodium.
1: (laughs) you. And what's your typical breakfast before tournament day?
5: I don't eat breakfast before tournament day. What day of the week you most look forward to and why? Mondays. I like Mondays because it's the most hated day for everybody. (laughs) But uh, in my life, I feel like it's always a start of a new week and I think that's always a great thing to celebrate.
1: New beginnings, for sure. Currently, your radio is tuned into what type of music genre?
5: People make fun of me about this all the time. I actually don't listen to anything whatsoever on the radio ever, and the main reason is is because when I'm driving, I use that time to think and reflect back on what I need to do and moving forward what I need to do and and where I've been. So I just kind of use that time as a me time, a silence, And uh, it's
1: actually really nice to not listen to something. That's cool, dude. I love these segments. You know, you always learn something new about people and maybe something to try in our own lives to uh, better ourselves. Thanks, Andrew, for being with us on the show. Appreciate you taking time to speak with us today. Look forward to seeing you at our next event, Bass Edge Radio. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. Keel KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also, for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick MegaWare Keel Guard.
3: Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift. PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you.
2: Kurt, you know, it's always fun to have, I guess, a new voice, new angler on the Bass Edge Radio but uh, certainly Andrew is not new to the sport of fishing. His accolades show that. Uh, I appreciated his comments on the sight fishing. Uh, One in particular because I've had experience with this and I'd like to get your thoughts on it. But talking about color, you know, when he reached into the bag and there was all of the different beavers to choose from, you know, mainly I look at color so that I can see it. It's not so much to attract necessarily the bass but it's so that I can see it in the water. What's kind of your take on, on what Andrew had to say.
1: Yeah. You know, obviously everybody has their approach and Andrew's is, is uh, an excellent one. He has a lot of success sight fishing and the gentleman you're speaking of there, Todd Castledon, one of the best in East Texas as well. Awesome to uh, be able to pick up some tips and tactics from those uh, amazing anglers. I feel like, you know, the natural colors, you know, that Andrew was speaking of that, you know, were the color choices there that they were using when they were kind of doing their sight fishing thing. I think that's right. You know, I'm with you. I like to see when I need to see debate. You know, when the fish is active, ready to pick up a lure, um, I think that's really important. The, the Really the key for me in sight fishing is the size of the bait. You know, it really depends on the activity of the fish. Is the fish paired up with a male, female? A lot of times I feel I've, I can increase the size of my bait. I can entice the female to bite rather than have the male pick up the lure and run off the bed and try to entice that larger fish to uh, bite the lure that I'm presenting. So I typically like to start off, I have like a little pattern or a little process, you know, that I go through and that would be, I like to start off with a crawl bait, you know, something small simple, unobtrusive and, uh, you know, something that doesn't have a lot of appendages so that if they just barely pick it up, I can still have a chance to see the lure completely engulfed in the fish or when the fish does move off if I can't see the lure, I'll know that or have a very good chance the fish has the entire bait in his mouth secondarily i love a swim bait on the bed if i can increase the size of my bait if i can't get a reaction out of a smaller lure i feel like a swim bait is a great imitator for all things evil to a bass <laughs> on a bed and um, i love to throw a swim bait on a bass bed so especially i feel like it, it entices the larger fish to really take an aggressive attitude toward the presentation so uh man that's my big sight fishing tip i, I enjoy sight fishing tip and uh, hopefully uh, Bass Edge Nation take a little bit away from this and uh, have some fun with you know either tournament competition and having success or or like I said a lot of people just have never seen bass on a bed get up there on a bank put some time into it man it's one of the coolest bass behaviors that you'll ever be able to witness two fish spawning and uh, working the bed
2: well certainly uh hopefully that does entice people to go out there and uh, try that because it's the best reality show ever and a great science project I think to uh, watch how nature rolls but for them to be able to do that Kurt we have to shut up which means we've got to <laughs> shut episode 304 down but uh, be sure to visit the website as Kurt mentioned previously there's a lot of great information on there some of which by the way you know the DVD bundle is out there I think it, it's going to cost you more in shipping to get those three DVDs like five bucks uh, like 39 hours worth back in the day certainly Dr. J mcnamara's book uh, a work heel guard product lucas product that has free shipping so all kinds of good stuff in the meantime be sure to check out all of the social media shoot us a question get those sent in and we will get out a prize if your question is selected until next time june 1st hard to believe kurt you'll be in your uh, speedo uh, out on the beach somewhere probably but uh, regardless for kurt dove and nice. the rest bass edge crew i am aaron martin we look forward to june 1st so long everybody The
0: Edge is presented by Megaware KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rappaholic.com.